video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, you my name is Justin Acclure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Do I have the um, bravery to say we're the only podcast that does this? I know. I think we are, right? We're, we're keeping <laughs> yes. it strong. No, nobody else cares enough about DVDs or Blu-rays. No, and uh, most listeners would be like, oh, "That's too overwhelming." They talk about so many movies. Uh, I know. <laughs> they talk about every single one. I mean, I'm sure there are physical media podcasts out there that talk about oh, there are like, like uh, just the discs is one but they don't talk about everything like we do <laughs> they don't talk about the odd couple too on <laughs> that's Blu-ray, right I'm sure <laughs> and this week uh is real skinny when it comes to the cult section <laughs> yeah it is it's all taken up by our favorite label scorpion yes i mean they have one here that i do like the barbarian starring everyone's favorite muscle building comedy duo the barbarian brothers <laughs> <laughs> who I was actually unfamiliar with, really, until this week. Oh, this week is a double barbarian uh, Brothers I Day. I know, yeah, we'll get to them later. So this yeah. movie's really fun. <laughs> it's a uh, sword and sorcery film that weirdly is directed by Ruggedo Deado, the director of Cannibal Holocaust. Right, yeah. And uh, it's just like a straight-ahead sword and sorcery film, but the Barbarian Brothers are in it, and they do not change their persona. They're like these jock guys that go just through this fantasy scenario, constantly bickering with each other and being like, oh, man, what's going on? What are you doing here? Oh, get out of my way, man. Get out of my way. Uh, lots of fun. And this is Scorpion. I think there's a commentary with Nathaniel Thompson and Troy Howarth on it. Yeah, I believe you're right. Maybe an interview with someone. Are the Barbarian's Brothers still kicking around? Yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, no. Sorry. March 10th, 2020. Bodybuilding world mourns loss of one half of the Barbarian Brothers. Oh, no. Wow. We lost a Barbarian brother this year, right? That's just He died in his sleep, 63 years old. I mean, I, again, wasn't really familiar with these guys. So I looked him up and, yeah, obviously saw they were bodybuilders. You didn't see that they did, like, a babysitting um, movie? I think it's Double Trouble. Oh, I know that title. But, honestly, I was not familiar with these guys at all. I was... I, I'm shocked that I'm not familiar with And the with first time I heard about them is I remember they're in a deleted scene from Natural Born Killers where they I think they, they play really? themselves okay. and they talk about okay. how they got their legs cut off and they were really happy for it to happen because they're such big fans of the characters of that movie. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I definitely got to dive into some more Barbarian Brothers action. So here. we also have Panic, a.k.a. A Bacterian being released from Scorpion. Uh, a scientist experiment in deadly bacteria goes haywire and leaves him horribly deformed the monstrous man then runs amok in town yeah <laughs> yeah i've seen the cover of this one uh it's not a director i recognize even though i looked at his credits he's directed like 30 films <laughs> wow real trash yeah, it looks like th- this is one that is not moving at all i i don't know who knows what this is i mean they've it's got such a generic title too just you know like what pan- you move more copies i bet if your store was open. I know. You know, I'm sure we would have somebody pick up a copy just based on the cover alone. But, like, Panic, that's it. That's the best you're going to come up with for a title. That's like, it? Yeah. Just There's call so it Bacteria and Panic. call it a day. That's a way cooler title. Well, so moving on to the classic section. We told you Cult was skinny this week. We got Crash. Uh, yeah, Crash is finally here. Long-awaited Criterion release. I mean, we all knew this was happening at some point, I right? mean, I'm not a big fan of Crash. I think it's okay. Really? Yeah, oh, okay. I... I uh, watched it recently because we did an Important Cinema Club episode on David Cronenberg. I don't know. I wish it went further. It's like you basically see the premise within the first like 10 minutes and it never really pushes it any further than that. I don't know. I just kind of, yeah, I can see that. I kind of just, I I love it. I just love the atmosphere of it. I love the, the Toronto coldness of it. I love how 
just haunting the whole thing feels. I don't know. I watched it again earlier this year when they were doing the uh, trotting the 4K restoration out. And uh, I don't know. I thought it wasn't going to hold up for me, maybe, since from when I saw it as a teenager. But it surprisingly did. I just thought it was really cool. I liked all the actors in it. And, uh, yeah, it really worked for me. Um, I haven't read the original book, but I, I do like J.G. Ballard stuff. So. Oh, the original book is so gross. Like, within the first five pages, you're like, oh. Yeah, I feel like I might like the book better if I actually read that. But uh, You know, I like to watch Crash as a sequel to Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> James Spader just went too far. He does, right? He kind of plays the same character, sort of. Uh, so we also have A Place in the Sun, uh, Day of the Locust, and The Winslow Boy. And I'm putting all of these together. Oh, and Hard Eight. Yeah. Because it's from the Australian imprint line. Yeah, we've got a new... Get out a bank loan on your house or a second mortgage. (laughs) We've got a new uh, label here at the store. And yeah, imprint was just started up in Australia earlier this year. Uh, I think it's an offshoot of Via Vision, which is a company that's been, yeah, operating there for a while. And we've gotten some of their stuff in because they typically do region-free discs. They did that uh, region-free DVD of The Keep, which we talked about uh, about a year ago or so. Oh, wait, so they did the... DVD that everyone was like, what is this? Is this real? Is it yeah, not? Yeah, but it was a, even though it was only DVD, it was like remastered in widescreen, so which really hadn't, you know, there was never really a good looking copy of this movie anywhere. But now they've gotten kind of into like the indicator sort of line of things with uh, this new imprint label, putting out really nice Blu-ray editions, got some extras on it, but they are really, really pricey because we have to import them right from Australia. But they are all region and they are for some pretty big movies that haven't ever come out on Blu-ray. I mean, the big one here for us is probably Hard Eight because people have been wanting a Blu-ray of Paul Thomas Anderson's first film for eons and the DVD has been out of print forever. Uh, but even like A Place in the Sun's never been on Blu-ray and not yeah, Day of the Locust or The Winslow Boy have never been on Blu-ray. Um, and a lot of these DVDs like the Day of the Locust DVD that uh, was just put out by Paramount looks really, really crummy. So it's nice to finally get a remastered version of that. But, the Day uh, of the Locust, Donald Sutherland playing Homer Simpson in the early days of Hollywood. <laughs> I know I know you don't like this film, but I am quite quite a fan of Day of the Locust. I really, really oh, like it. I love it when Donald Sutherland kills a small child at the end of the movie, but that's about the only oh, part yeah, that I yeah. like. Definitely one of the best parts. I don't know. I just find it like a, one of the best kind of satires on Hollywood. I know it's really over the top, and I know it kind of gets mixed mixed reactions but it's always just really worked for me and i'm maybe considering picking this up <laughs> you but are it's also really expensive so uh it's like i've really wanted to get a blue i've been waiting for a blu-ray release of day of the locust forever and now it's finally here but like ooh, the cost do on you it. think some companies are going to turn around and release these films in north america if these scans are floating around that's what i'm holding off on because i'm like i don't want to just buy this and it's really nice I'm, I'm down to have it on the shelf but then like you know criterion or show factory or kino or somebody puts it out like Six months How from now. How is Criterion not snapped up a hard eight? Is it like a Miramax thing? Or, no, or what company was it? Well, it, it was through? actually Sony that put out the DVD initially, but I assume they don't have the rights anymore because I'm sure they would have done something. I had some weird white rights thing in because Australia is a lawless land yeah, exactly. filled with it really criminals. Is. <laughs> it really is a lawless <laughs> land. But yeah, I don't know why. I know, but you're right. I think it's only like in due time somebody's going to put out a hard eight edition here. So... We have been selling a few and like, you know, people people just love Paul Thomas Anderson. So they're, they've been waiting for this forever. But 
I don't know if if you're a little wary about the like sixty dollar price point or so, maybe hold off. I don't know about a place in the sun in the day of the locust though, because those are just Paramount titles, and you would have thought like a Criterion or somebody would put those out by or now. Paramount presents, especially a day in the sun. Or a place in the sun, because it's a George Stevens film. Yeah, you'd think they would have done something like what they did with Roman Holiday, finally putting it out. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, nothing yet. So these are the only way to get uh, Blu-ray upgrades on these titles. So moving on, we have The Mortal Storm, the Frank Borzage film starring Jimmy Stewart, which is, uh-oh, Nazis are bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a film that uh, kind of documents the early rise of Nazism and how people can fall within its ideology. I don't know. Do we need to watch this movie now? It seems kind of out of of date and doesn't really apply to the human condition or what's going on in politics and you know society yeah you know we could say that about a lot of old classic films now i guess <laughs> um i don't know no i'm being sarcastic I <laughs> uh it, I, I mean that nazis are everywhere I, now I and it's worse well, than it's ever been <laughs> uh, people really love this film though so you know yeah i've never seen it i've always kind of i need to get more into the work of frank borzage you know he's uh he made so many goddamn films. That's for Mark, sure. Mark, me and you, we're gonna sit down. And we're gonna we're gonna teach each other some stuff. We're gonna do a Borzage <laughs> fest, right? <laughs> no, uh, I just mean general in cinema. You can show me all your favorite documentaries that you love, and uh, I'll show you, uh, you know, other good movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll show you the documentaries and the late '90s movies that you, you yeah, haven't so, seen. Oh, and Mumblecore stuff. And Mumblecore stuff. Yeah, I, I can get you primed on all that. <laughs> So moving on, we have Zenobia, released by the very confusingly named Classic Flicks. <laughs> yeah, they're they're still going, still doing uh, restorations of, I guess, public domain stuff. Yes, honestly. I believe that's how it works. I mean, uh, or like kind of gray market titles, I feel. So Zenobia is famous because it's the one that Oliver Hardy did without uh, Stan Laurel. Wait, or am I getting that wrong? Yes. No, you're right. Uh, I think just because I read the back of the cover art that I think he... Stan Laurel left the Hal Roaches studios, but then like immediately came back after this film, I think. Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, you see a filming of, uh, I believe, one of the scenes from this movie in that like Stan... And what was it called? The uh, movie with Steve Coogan that oh, was in uh, it? Oh, Stan and Ollie. Stan and Ollie. That's right. Yes. Uh, because they tried to team him up with Harry Langdon, I guess. But, yeah, uh, a very funny comedian. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then Stan Laurel came running back. So. I hear this movie's not that good. I assume because it's a classic flicks release. And if it's a restoration, there's probably commentary and stuff like that. Yeah, there's some stuff on it. We've been selling they a few copies. They are mining the bottom of the uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy Ooh, <laughs> filmography. I know. Well, they did Africa Screams recently. We have really been selling many of those and, wait did you guys sell yeah. a lot of those laurel and hardy box sets we did yeah that's not them though that was uh different no company. i know but do you think people uh, are just like i'm all laurel and hardy yeah now. that's the thing i think people are fine with just like that kind of set of just like here's the essential laurel when and hardy am i gonna get my ritz brothers box set or my wheeler and woosley box set there's so much more uh that can be yeah who's gonna tackle that i think there was a wiener and wiener wheeler and woosley box set <laughs> wiener and woosley i know mark is giving uh, me a blank stare through uh non-visuals uh, I, I, I can hear it in his voice i'm just nodding along sure yes i love these people oh there was an rko classic comedy uh, box set 
It was a Warner Archive one. Yeah, Warner Ar- You know what? You're right. Probably Warner Archive has all the rights to these. And with their stuff, because it's all MOD for a while. When Warner Archive first started putting stuff out, we never brought any of it in because Yeah, because just... if you bought it, you couldn't yeah, return it. Yeah, exactly. So it took us a while to get on the Warner Archive train, but... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Ask us about it. We can... Now you are. And now you still have copies of Empire haunting your bargain bin shelves. So we also have Apache and Attack, which uh, forms the exclamation uh, point duology directed by Robert Aldrich. And Apache, I guess, has Burt Lancaster playing a Native American, The right? role he was born to play, uh, Native American. Uh, so that seems really on point. Uh, the last Apache warrior. Oh, boy. Yeah. Jeez. They had... This was a huge thing at that time, eh? I feel like we've been getting a bunch of Kino releases of, like, 50s or 60s movies with white Hollywood actors playing Native Americans. Uh, but, you uh, mean uh, sing at that time? or a thing up until like maybe like the last six months (laughs) Uh, yeah up until you know johnny depp you know johnny depp still claims he's like one sixteenth native american right so uh yeah i haven't seen either of those i'm a big robert aldrich fan and here attack is very good that too i mean that one's been selling much better than apache i will say that (laughs) so moving on uh we're back in western town aka mark's kryptonite with High Plains Drifter and Joe Kid 2 Clint titles. Yeah, so these were a little late. These were actually supposed to be back in October with a bunch of those other Clint titles that we got in, but apparently Technicolor screwed up or something and we didn't get them till right now. But, uh, you know, complete your Clint collection. They were really went big on Clint this year, you know, with these special so editions. So I love High Plains Drifter. Clint's kind of like weird meta take on um, the man with no name if he was literally the devil and he came into town. Ooh, that actually sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's like he comes in and he's not an anti-hero. He's like just a bad guy. Okay. But through the prism of like, there's like a nasty sexual assault in the movie though. So fair warning. Okay. But yeah, like the costume he wears is like all gray the entire time. Like it's very literal. And there's like this demon uh, sequence where he like whips somebody. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So uh, we also have Joe Kid, which is an unofficial remake of The Great Silence. <laughs> Oh, weirdly i did not know that love the great silence what? Though. whoa 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 that's a western mark what are you talking about i know yeah i've told you i there's some spaghetti westerns that i can mm. get behind for did sure did your dad like force you to watch westerns is this the kind of trauma that you're dealing with never i just maybe your dad should have made your I... force or your mom to watch westerns <laughs> i know right i think my earliest memory of watching a western and not liking it was uh when i was you know glued to tbs superstation back as a kid like we all were and uh John Wayne's Big Jake came on for some reason. <laughs> Not that Big Jake is... You know what's is... funny? As a kid, I didn't see a single John Wayne movie. Not one. Not on television. Nowhere. My dad didn't make me watch movies or my mom. So, yeah, nothing. So maybe I don't have that experience. Probably the first Westerns I started watching uh, earnestly was probably Spaghetti Westerns, the Clint Eastwood ones. For me, yeah, I just saw this. I saw Big Jake and I thought it was really boring. John Wayne just I thought was just an old man. I didn't really care for it. And it just turned me off Westerns. I don't know why that turned me off Westerns, but it turned me off trying to get into like classic Westerns, I guess. And I never really started getting into Westerns again, probably until watching Spaghetti Westerns as well. And then I finally, you know, watching the Man With No Name trilogy, I finally could see, you know, wow, there's like a lot of art in this. And then I just, I don't know. I just haven't really explored the genre like I should. Like I said, I'm not opposed to checking out Except for, um, what did we watch? American Outlaws? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I feel like there's a certain brand of Western that's really stodgy and just embraces like old American values that I don't care about. And maybe, maybe that's 
not the maybe that's not a right representation of what a western is but that's always yeah, what i mean I, I like the really like punchy all over the place kind of like um serial style western not actual serials because i ain't sitting down and watching 12 of those but like stuff that like william whitney made is really fun and i think i got to that kind of like more classical western probably reading somebody like quentin tarantino and he like recommending those titles me going like what's this and checking them out right okay cool yeah i I need to do a deep dive because i do really really like the spaghetti westerns i've seen i'm not like that well versed in it but i really love like sergio leone stuff i love django and stuff like that so i I would i feel like i need to broaden my horizons i mean you should pick up and god said to kane released by gold ninja video (laughs) because well that one i'm definitely definitely interested in because a it's got klaus kinski in it and b the whole gothic western thing really appeals yeah. to me yeah i mean it takes place over all one night in a town that's being hit by a storm as klaus kinski goes around killing everybody in town yeah see that sounds he's amazing you know like and i love the great silence i really really love that and i love him in it so anything with him in a western playing a crazy guy so moving on we have the jewish soul 10 classics of yiddish cinema being released by kino now me and mark are real uh genteels so this you know by law we should both watch all of these movies to educate ourselves yeah or more specifically we should uh get it because for me it's got a remastered edgar g elmer film yeah yeah Even there though- you go um, it also has uh, The Dibbuk, which is a really famous uh, Jewish feature film. And it's got two versions of it, too. I think one of them that's like never seen the light of day. And uh, it's got eight other films. I don't know any of them, to be honest. So This is a really, really nice set. But yeah, I looked at the back and I'm like, yeah, I've heard of The Dibbuk. The rest of the films, like, I, I don't know any of these. Well, they but... were very regional, and they played uh, only in, like, Yiddish theaters. That's where their main target. But this is a nice set. They're all remastered. They've been remastered for a while, because I've seen copies floating around. And uh, But there's also new commentaries with the likes of Jay Haberman and other scholars. So And it's reasonably priced for what is essentially 10 movies. Yeah, it's not bad. It's kind of like 45 or so dollars, 45 50 dollars. But, uh, yeah, really beautiful set. And I love <laughs> That's when... That's two-thirds of a, one of those Australian yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just I love when Kino just puts together a package of like a little more obscure titles because yeah you're right I do want to dive into this and just like learn more about Yiddish cinema because yeah, I we have... also have speaking of underseen films that the world is hungry for uh, Continental Divide the film from the director of Seven Up <laughs> yes Michael Apted he did wow he directed this uh. yeah John Belushi uh, romantic love affair film yeah I always just see the dvd cover of this when i'm putting away you know comedy tags or something never really gave it a second look but i'm looking i'm looking at it now and lawrence kasdan wrote oh, this yeah, too the, right? the sure sign of quality <laughs> yeah n- not that that means anything but uh but yeah so now it's finally out on blu-ray i'm sure it has a commentary and other stuff because kino usually does yeah. that now uh gone are the days where kino would just just release the movie eh Maybe they've been listening to this podcast because there's a critical commentary on every single Kino release Well, now. good. I hope they've been listening to us because, yeah, they they need to. Up- <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> no, they haven't at all. <laughs> For a company that puts out so many Blu-rays, though, like, come on, let's put some put some more it love co- into It costs them, what, 100 bucks to, like, do a commentary that they probably pay someone to do all the work for? And it's like, listen, that could make the difference between a buy and an up buy. So, you know. There you go. So moving on, also from Kino, we have DC Cab, the classic uh, Joel Schumacher-directed film starring Mr. T and, ooh, an unofficial Baldwin and a very bad one, Adam Baldwin. Yes, Adam Baldwin. And what? It's this week's Blind Boy. Woo, 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 woo. Blind Boy. <laughs> so 
so yeah, I was I was struggling a bit about whether to put this in the classic or the cult section because I, I don't know I think what it would people... probably be in the cult section if I had to make that decision, yeah. No, and that's why I put it here. I feel like it is just a regular Kino Lorber studio classic release. But yeah, this is one of Joel Schumacher's earliest directorial films. I think it was maybe his second mm-hmm. film. So for people that don't know Joel Schumacher, yes, the director of Batman and Robin had become a urban writer um, around the time of DC Cab, and he wrote a lot of other films for black audiences. You know, nothing says uh, black like Joel Schumacher. Like Joel Schumacher. And uh, yeah, on that note, the uh, racial politics of this movie are very strange, I have to say. Um, This is clearly from a different time, uh, that being 1983, I think this came out. Um, And yeah, so... I mean, the plot of this movie, I mean, there's not really a plot of this movie. It's kind of just focusing on a, a cab company in Washington that's kind of like down on their luck. They're they're kind of like the, you know, the uh, downtrodden cab company. And they're trying to like, they kind of have a war with the like hot new cab company who has like spiffier cars and spiffier uniforms. And it's just kind of, you just watch the hijinks of this group of cabbies who include everybody from Mr. T to, yeah, like we said, Adam Baldwin, who is a bad oh, man Gary nowadays. Oh, Gary Busey seemingly not acting and they just caught him with the camera. So he was doing Did thing. he just have his like motorcycle accident when this movie? Uh, he is wild in this movie. Also, Bill Maher is in this as yes. pr- probably. <laughs> the only relatable character to me actually he has a really like mr t the good man as part of this group that's true that's true i I just think bill maher has like a really sincere emotional speech about how like about the uh the fear of kind of wasting your life when you're an art because he's like an aspiring artist right or an aspiring musician and he has this speech about the the great fear of missing out on your calling and just you know working a cab job for the as a cabbie for the rest of your life but yeah, moving on. Uh, this movie is totally bonkers. Uh, what you know did you what? think I about thought this? it was fun, and I hated every character in this movie. They are such pieces of garbage, <laughs> especially Adam oh, Baldwin. Oh, man, he is such a dink. I mean, he is – so I guess he's kind of like the audience's, you know – surrogate in this movie he's uh i guess a vietnam vet who hitchhikes to washington because his friend from his platoon runs this cab company and you know he gets a job uh his dad's friend old friend who passed and his dad passed away right his dad's friend from nam right yeah so he comes to get a job and that you know he ends up riding along with all the different drivers to kind of like learn the ropes but he's like he's such a like young like white Republican type guy who's just like he just seems so condescending towards and everybody. And honestly, you know? I feel like they should close this cab company down. <laughs> they are not treating their customers very well. <laughs> no, they they are terrible drivers. First of all, <laughs> and I mean, especially somebody like Gary Busey. Would you want him driving you around? Oh He's my like, god! Every uh, time he opens his mouth, I'm like, ooh, I hope I'm walking on the other side of the street when this guy walks ooh, by. <laughs> I know, and that's the weird thing about this is like Gary Gary Busey is kind of portrayed as this like lovable nut kind of guy who's got all these like conspiracy theories that he spouts and everybody just kind of laughs him off but in one scene in particular he has this weird monologue about how i guess to put it bluntly blacks are taking over the world and he drops the n-bomb a couple times in this speech and you know he's the whole moral of it is like well we're gonna be good because we're friends with the blacks so you know It'll be great for us. It's Charles Manson-like uh, monologue. Yeah, here. right? And Adam Baldwin is just kind of listening to this, just laughing along. Like, it's just, ah, this kooky guy, eh? And there's just, like, no sort of 
follow-up or commentary. I guess that's just the joke, but I, yeah. I don't know. But it's you know like, what? Mr. T wants to clean up his neighborhood and his solid gold taxi Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and that's the weird thing about the racial politics of this movie is, like, half of the cast at least is, is black, and they do, you know, while there are these really, like, pretty racist moments, there are also a lot of moments with strong black characters who are, like, yeah, like Mr. T trying to clean up the neighborhood. or So it's like a conflicting... So it's this whole like war of conflicting sort of ideologies. I mean, I don't know if Joel Schumacher was actually thinking about any of this when he wrote this movie, but uh, there's just a lot of different ideologies going on in this that I can't really keep straight. Ah, well, you know what? It was crazy, and I chuckled a few times. I cringed more times. I did. And also, yeah, in terms of the ideologies, the film's view of women is also not oh, so Oh, don't you so mean they're shrews or they're quitters? That's essentially the only two portrayals that you get in this movie? Yeah, well, they're exactly, right? There's one woman who works for this cab company, and she keeps getting, like, she keeps getting held up and, like, robbed every day because they drive through like I guess scuzzier parts of town and and yeah and they just keep basically her boss like harasses her to stay basically throughout this whole thing and then also the boss's wife you're right is like a total shrew and is portrayed like this woman who like he she's just like she's just a shrew who has no fun but like in reality all of these cab drivers are layabouts and she's the only one who works like a regular job all of her complaints like she comes home and these guys are like drinking and just like fucking around and she's like getting mad at them and i'm like oh she kind of has a point though but they just were the whole attitude of it is just like ah. they continually say how hard it is to be a man they continually say how hard it is to be a man and not in some sort of like jokey wink wink way and like actually this sincere way we're like ah women eh it's like oh yikes but having said all this i actually did have a lot of fun with this movie beyond like all of that stuff I thought the music was great. It was a good time. You know, uh, Giorgio Moroder did the score and there's a lot of great tunes in it. Irene Cara has a cameo as herself and uh, does some singing as well. And I don't know, just in terms of like the pure, it gets that perfect, like pure 80s vibe that I really like where it's just like bops along. It's just a good time. It's got great sounds, a lot of fun. Mr. T's fun, a lot of recognizable faces. So I don't know. It was kind of a mixed bag. I was definitely disgusted by myself a little bit, but I did kind of enjoy yeah, I'd this recommend movie. it for a blind buy, an 80s... Con- like, people need to know what they're getting into if they, like, pick this up. It's not like a surprise. Yeah, right. It definitely comes with a disclaimer, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I feel like if you can recognize what the time was and maybe overlook some of the... Uh, yeah, more offensive things about it. It's not necessarily that badly made of a movie. I, I think it's definitely one of the more fun, like, 80s comedies. Yep, I would right? agree. All right, so moving on. Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy in UHD. Yeah. Okay, guys, listen. <laughs> this is just between me and you. Don't be a sucker. There's a better version of this coming out, I think, in a year. Interesting. Well, because originally this was announced as a bigger, like, Middle Earth box set in Ultra HD. Yeah, the Ultimate Edition is yeah. supposedly coming down the line. And we ordered it and everything, and then about a week after, they just canceled it and said, no, we're just they're just putting out The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit separately. Um I don't know. I, I'm not crazy about either of these trilogies. I so. love these movies so much. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry. I love the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> Not the Hobbit films. Those are 
Real bad. But I do love the documentaries on the Hobbits films. You want to see how a film is done badly? Watch those documentaries. They are way up front. Well, you've never... Haven't we talked about this, Mark? Like, there's, like, this famous... Um, I mean, Peter Jackson documents everything. There's even a sequence where they are shooting and they make the decision, we're changing it from two films to three films. And you see Andy Serkis is shooting something. He's like, I don't know where this is going. Like, we're just going to finish our day and that's it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, the Hobbit trilogy. Why are there three movies based on the Hobbit? Why? Why, Peter? Because Peter Jackson had to keep all of the people that he employed working on something which is why they had to make those movies. That is the only reason he directed them as well. Well, if you're a fan of these movies, I mean, these sets come with everything that's been on the previous sets. So all you get both the theatrical and the extended editions. You get all the appendix stuff. You get all the special features. So, I mean, this is the kind of tri- mo- these are the kind of movies that are, I guess, made for Ultra HD. So if you, like we always say, if you need something to show off your player around Christmas time, Wait, I mean, The Hobbit is awful looking. <laughs> And in Ultra okay, HD, well, you'll see Rings, like all the yeah. matte lines of the stuff in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, because the high frame rate and everything. Yeah. I guess that's. Well, I they definitely did not include the high frame rate. For, I don't think those ever made it to home no, video. No, I they? don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I only ever saw the first of those Hobbit movies, and I found it kind of boring, so I never continued. It's not for you. Why would you even go see I don't the first? Know. I mean, one? I liked the Lord of the Rings trilogy when I was a kid, and you know, I went to see them in theaters, and I liked the Hobbit. I mean, the Hobbit as a book was one of my favorite books uh, as a child. Oh, I love yeah, the I Hobbit, the Hobbit. so much. Um, and yeah, I don't know. The movie was just so uh, the first one, at least, was just so boring that I so, just. So uh, moving on, finally. Blade is coming to UHD. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Blade. I'm not I know I love Blade. I know most people like Blade, no, Blade 2 better, too, but I love yeah. Blade. I know people like Blade 2 better, but I kind of like Blade better. <laughs> well, I know why. Blade came in out in the 90s, Blade 2 came out in the 2000s. Exactly, exactly. And I also am not, you know, the biggest Guillermo del Toro fan, but that is neither here nor there. I and I also really like Stephen Norrington. What am I what am I going to say? And I uh, I just and I love Stephen uh, Dorff too. Are you a Stephen <laughs> Norrington completist? Have you seen Death Machine, Blade, The Last Minute, and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I've seen Gentlemen. all of those except for Death Machine, actually, because I've never been able to find a good copy, and I've just been, you know, I just haven't got on that. Well, you got to get on the Death Machine train. I know. I, I like The Last Minute, though. I think that's an underrated film. And League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you love your um, it was Oliver Twist kind of a reboot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it had some stuff. I mean, it's not great, but it had some style to it i was kind of oh impressed. man wait i want to go through all these uhd titles because there's so many of them crouching tiger hidden dragon all right you know that movie leon the professional mm, Luc Brassel, problematic beverly hills cop eddie murphy funny guy More eddie murphy coming to america because you know the second coming to america is coming out soon so mm, that's right i thought it was going to drop around like christmas what does it I have think a it release is. i think it's dropping on prime or something is it not yeah i, I haven't seen a trailer or anything yet Oh, no, it's coming 2021, March 5th. It's surprisingly, I haven't released a trailer Weird. for they it must yet. Because I, I did see it on our release schedule for December, but I guess they pushed mm. it back. So. And Trading Places, it, it's, you know what? I watched it. I picked up this Blu-ray. Uh, it's a Paramount Presents Collection edition. And man, John Landis, all of his films, is only like a joke every five minutes. 
Yeah, you know, trading places I used to love as a kid, and and I still do. I think it's funny, but uh, I know why it. you loved it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why is that? Boobs, boobs, <laughs> boobs. Yeah, there's boobs. Uh, no, I just thought it was real. I just thought Eddie Murphy is really funny in this movie. But when I watched it again, maybe a couple years ago, it'd been the first time in like a decade or so. I totally forgot about the Dan Aykroyd and blackface scene. Jesus Christ, uh, that shocked me. Him in blackface and doing the whole Jamaican thing like ooh speaking of yeah a different time hey wasn't that 1983 same year as DC Cab yeah Rachel <laughs> it politics. was DC Cab no blackface though. yeah no blackface <laughs> so I guess it's better but uh, wow racial politics in the and 80s. Uh, uh, didn't when did the Twilight Zone didn't isn't this the movie that John Lennon made after Thriller which came right after the Twilight Zone ugh I think so. Yeah. He was busy these that year, those couple of years. How do you feel about The Golden Child? I've never seen The Golden Child. Uh, I remember it's kind of like Eddie Murphy doing Big Trouble in Little China. I watched it once a while back. I did not like it. But maybe, you know, I don't know. I'd give it another chance. It's from Michael Ritchie, and I do like Michael yeah. Ritchie. Yeah. People seem, it seems to have become a little bit more of a cult thing in the last few years, I find. I feel like nobody really talked about it for a while, but then we definitely had more interest in it lately, and then this Blu-ray was coming out, and we had more people kind of asking about it. So, I don't know, I guess maybe, I, I always considered this just one of his movies from the 80s that nobody really cared about, and I just never really watched it because of that but i think it's got its fans and finally we have i assume because paramount needs to rid their blu-rays out of their warehouse popeye is coming to blu-ray <laughs> not as a paramount presents title but as a dirt cheap please just take this home title very very cheap i was surprised they hadn't already put this out on blu-ray actually part of me did why a didn't double they take. make it a paramount presents title i don't know like what their the golden deal Child is has no special features it's a paramount presents title i know and Trading Places is as well, but it only has one new special feature that that was not on the previous Blu-ray. So, yeah, you'd think putting out Popeye, which is like a Robert Altman. And Popeye does have a new special feature on it as well. There's a new, like, dog. Well, we got this bad boy for 25 here. So uh, <laughs> if you are a Popeye fan, and really, who isn't a Popeye fan, uh, right? I mean, I really like Popeye, and I find it completely not funny. <laughs> like, I see what Robert Altman <laughs> is trying to do, and I appreciate it in the same way that I appreciate Steven Spielberg making 1941, a movie that I deeply love. Okay. Um, I've always avoided Popeye because I always just thought it looked really kind of boring and unfunny, but maybe I got to give it a try. Oh, no, you got to get it is insane. Like there are so many gags going through every like side of the frame. Like that's the big gimmick in the movie. Right. Okay. That's how Robert Altman wanted to do it. That like there's like a million different gags. It's a musical, too. Oh, was Harry Nielsen's songs. Right. Okay. Um, You know what? I got to watch this. I I do love Robert Altman. I love this period of Robert Altman. So, you know, I'm down for and some And you love wacky a coked re- up Robin Williams. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all about that. So now's the perfect chance, I guess. So we're right. moving on to new stuff. New, 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 new. New, 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 new. Let's talk about some new movies. Thankfully, not so many this week. Um, but we're going to start off with some CanCon here from our friends at IndieCan, who we don't usually get a ton of releases from, but they got a couple new DVDs out of recent Canadian movies. First up, uh, the do-it-yourself martial arts film Contracts. Uh, you've seen this one, right? I have because it it stars, was directed, edited, and 
that he do? I guess action choreographed (laughs) by a pal of mine, Alex Chong. But this is a real deal release. Look at that cover. It looks like you'd find it on the shelf at Walmart somewhere. (laughs) Oh, seriously. It looks like any other kind of like martial arts movie you get in these days. Great style. Any like VOD martial arts movie. But this one actually, and I mean that as a compliment, but this one actually delivers was great fight scenes. If you want some good action in your life, pick up contracts. Uh, on the fight side of things, uh, you will not be disappointed. Nice. Yeah, I threw this on just to like just to take a look at it and see what it looked. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was really impressed. Yeah, by the fight choreography in this, like it's crazy. And it's pretty slick too. Like Alex, he got a real deal cinematographer. Like it doesn't look like. He shot it like in his backyard or anything like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, it, it looks like it definitely has more production value than you would think. Yeah, um, I mean, because I know he didn't have a budget on it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, and it I'm took him years for... and years to finally uh, wrap it up. But now it's out and it's super dirt cheap on DVD. It's super dirt cheap. And yeah, I'm all for do it yourself type action stuff. So definitely, you know, support Canadian cinema. Pick this up. Uh, uh, I have bad news, though, that I picked this DVD up has commentaries, has bloopers. I think it has some deleted scenes. Does not have the hour of making of that's on the Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. For some strange contractual reason, we couldn't get Blu-rays from IndyCan. I guess it's, um, they do some. Well, I know why. It's because IndyCan now does them on demand through Amazon.com. Yeah, they've got an Amazon hookup. And we initially weren't even going to get DVDs of this, but they managed to sneak us some. So unfortunately, yeah, if you want a Blu-ray, you're going to have to go to your. I mean, folks, if you want to see, if you want contracts on like any physical media, you'd have to order it from amazon.com which is an arm and a leg because that's the ship from the states pick it up dirt cheap at bay street video yeah if you just want to see it pick it up here for sure so we also have cup of cheer actually you know what mark you're in charge of the new section what the heck is this cup of cheer well this is a christmas movie and this is a yeah this is a new canadian christmas movie which apparently is a parody it's actually a parody of hallmark movies which is kind of appealing to me because you know hallmark christmas movies they make like what a thousand every year so you know it's a real market there but um yeah so this just premiered I think this just premiered on VOD about a month or so ago, and it actually got some pretty decent reviews. Um, again, I threw it on just uh, kind of in the store in the background to take a look, and it seems like they have the the vibe of the Hallmark movie down pretty well. So I don't know if you're a Hallmark fan and you want to see like a perfect skewering of that, um, kind of I guess the same way that like that Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiig Lifetime movie, uh, A Deadly Adoption. Well, I hear this one goes more like a scary movie style or lethal, uh, what was it called? Loaded Weapon? Loaded Weapon. I think it's definitely like psych gags and stuff like that. Whoa, what's this? I see a That Shelf review on Letterboxd not written by um, Mark. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, no, not me. (laughs) Oh yeah, you don't write for That Shelf. My bad. No, I don't. Sorry, I... (laughs) I do not, do not. Somebody That's who used to work another Toronto publication yeah. <laughs> that Mark has nothing to do yeah. with. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, you're in the seats. The names are very familiar, Mark. In the seats, that shelf. In the seats, that shelf. You know, yeah, they're they're fairly similar. I could write for that shelf. Hit me up, that shelf. I could write for you. I mean, they'd pay you as much as you're making now. 
Yeah, which is zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's so. okay. That's it's all about the love. It's all about the love. Moving on, uh, we got more sorta Canadian stuff with the Broken Hearts Gallery, which uh, isn't really. It's kind of a Canadian movie because it was all yeah, funded uh, by uh, tele- Elevation. I know it was all fu- funded by Telefilm. Of it takes it place was. in Toronto, I think, but it's supposed to be New York, and it's basically just like a New York set. Why is it funded indie, by indie romance? That I don't understand because I was looking it up at the. I'd heard about this came out a little earlier this year, got some pretty good reviews. I'd heard about. I just thought it was an American indie comedy, and then it comes here, and I'm looking at the back. It's got all the telefilm branding on it. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this was a Canadian film. I'm thinking it takes place in Toronto, but no, it's just like it's a New York set movie about New Yorkers in love, and it just happens to be. Funded by Telefilm. I don't even think the director is uh, Canadian. So Coming soon to the Canadian Screen Awards near you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I guess people like this movie, but uh, it's not really Canadian. So, uh, moving on, though, we've got Made in Italy from... Uh, Directed by Mr. James Darcy, who is a British actor who I'm sure people who watch British TV know a lot. Was this one also funded by Telefilm? (laughs) Yeah, this one's funded by Telefilm. No. Uh, This one stars Liam Neeson. (laughs) Not, uh, you know, kicking ass and taking names. He's just... I mean, when I think of Made in Italy, Italy, I think of Liam Neeson. So he is a uh, bohemian artist traveling from London to Italy with his estranged son to... I don't know, Bond or something. It's a bonding movie. It's a father-son bonding movie with Liam Neeson. So. Oh, boy. All right, so moving on, we have, I think Mark loves these. It's the Franco brothers, or Dave Franco specifically. One of the Franco brothers. Yeah, the the, the sort of okay Franco brother, I guess. Dave Franco made, made a movie this year, and it's called The Rental. Is I James actually, Franco, like, after all the stuff that happened, he's just gone? He's still around, man. I think he's still even directing movies still. I just don't know if what kind yeah, of no one's distribution. I think earlier this year, his adaptation of Zeroville finally came out. You remember he was... It did. did, That movie's real bad. Yeah, I heard it was awful. But that got released, so honestly, I don't think people really cared that much about... I think they did at the time, and I think that was a big reason he didn't get any sort of oscar consideration the last thing he was in that everybody would have seen was the ballad of buster scruggs and his newest credit on letterbox is arctic dogs right <laughs> right <laughs> well i guess is that a canadian film it, it feels is like yeah one. i believe that's canadian because i think that's made by i think we talked about this i think it's made by uh david <laughs> we've talked about arctic dogs like three i know we times. talked about this i think it's directed by david cronenberg's nephew i believe is what the uh, we we discovered with that one, uh, but anyways, so back to the Francos. Uh, Dave Franco has directed the Rental, which I guess is I still haven't seen this one. I heard pretty good things. Uh, it's about a couple. Yeah, I heard real middling things. That's why I didn't check it out. Yeah, but this is right up your alley. Like it sounds '90s erotic thrillerish. Yeah, you know, two couples get an Airbnb and weird stuff starts happening. I'm not really sure what that is. I, I'm excited to check it out. Uh, it stars Allison Brie and Dan Stevens, and I like both of them. So. So I'll probably give this Poor a try. Dan Stevens, man. He cannot catch a break. <laughs> like, I know. Well, he definitely seems to be going more for the cult horror type roles lately. And I don't know. I don't know how that's I, working out I mean, out like for he him. was in that like um, Eurovision movie. Right. I guess Beauty of the Beast is fine, but like that's not good. It's a good paycheck. But he was in Legion. People like him in Legion. Yes, he is in that, right? Yeah, he's doing, you know, he's doing well for himself. 
so next up, we've got uh, Ryuhei Kitamura's new film. Yue Kitamura. The R is silent, as I learned. So now I get to be that guy who goes and says that. Yeah, Downrange, his little indie thriller that he paid supposedly mostly for by himself. Oh, cool. I uh, haven't seen this one, but you like this, right? Yeah, I like this one. Basically, the premise is a bunch of people. Uh, they're just going somewhere, uh, friends, and suddenly their tire goes out in the middle of the road. They get out and, uh-oh, a sniper has them pinned down behind their car, and the entire movie takes place from there. Cool. Yep, it's gory. Uh, there is some shaky acting in it, but it's a lot of fun. Like, it's 90 quick minutes, super stylish, like, heads explode left and right. Um, nice. One hilarious story and kind of painful one is that on the way to set one day, uh, Kitamura got in an accident, and he had a dummy with him that exploded exploded when he got into the accident uh <laughs> so when the cops came uh and the ambulance they found a lot of gore and there was a slight moment of panic supposedly what a prankster that guy uh, i mean i think they couldn't shoot for a few months because he was so injured but uh yeah well may- maybe not a prank, yeah this movie's fun i'm glad it's finally out on dvd i wish it were special features don't know why shutter doesn't want to take that extra step or rlge and make it a little bit more of a um you know uh valuable they didn't even put this one out on blu-ray so it's a real they didn't this it's weird because they usually put most of their stuff out on blu-ray and i don't know why they decided against it for this one i it seems bizarre i've been friendly with the screenwriter of this film joey o'brien he's a real cool guy so that's all i have to say (laughs) joey if you're listening to this who's had the most amazing life ever and i'll just leave it to that go look at his credits he's written uh films for johnny toe what <laughs> yeah he wrote full-time killer did you ever see that one uh, i haven't seen that one i know that one but uh wow that's, that's and what's wild. amazing about it is uh he wrote an adaptation of a book that he admitted to me he's never read because it's never been translated into english uh, who cares right adaptations they can be loose <laughs> so moving on uh what's we got next book Mark? of monsters which is a new title from the fine folks at dread which uh, i didn't know they were still putting it i thought they folded. i thought so too but it's still i don't around. know maybe this was just one last straggler release but um this is a british horror movie about a bunch of girls who are uh at somebody's birthday party and somebody you know a bunch of monsters come out ah, it sounds kind of evil dead-esque you know i don't know it seems like a typical kind of dread production i reviews seem kind of middling wait did you ever see lasso did you guys ever get a copy of that no we never got that oh that seems right up your alley it's um it's kind of torture porny which i don't really like but it has an amazing premise which is like an old folks bus go to like a rodeo and afterwards, they get attacked by the rodeo, which is like a roided out cowboys who use Ooh, like lassos like and that. stuff. And Sean Patrick Flannery plays a one-armed <laughs> cowboy who the joke throughout the movie, and this is a serious film, he like loses his other arm. <laughs> and then I think he loses <laughs> a leg. <laughs> Poor Sean Patrick Flannery. Whatever happened to him? Uh, eh? alcohol, He's just exclusively doing stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Sean Patrick Flannery, the poor man Stephen Dorff. Uh, yeah, I guess he is the poor man Stephen Dorff. Sorry, Sean. I, I prefer Stephen Dorff, you know. But uh, yeah, I remember seeing him in the, the Evil Within a few years back, that like really bad... Uh, bad horror movie um director who died i think he like od yeah or something? it was yeah. Uh, an infamous film that had been shooting for like 15 years he was like the son of an oil tycoon yeah I believe. which is great stuff i mean it's really like weird and wild and bonkers but oh man sean patrick flannery is bad in it <laughs> <laughs> real bad 
Uh, anyways, moving on to bad at more bad acting with the Rising Hawk Battle for the Carpathians, which is oh no, I'm looking at it's, Ooh, it's yeah, Russian. this is Russian, no! but it also finds room for Robert Patrick to star in this. Uh, that's about all I got to say about this. <laughs> it takes place during the 13th century, uh, the Mongol Empire. I don't know. This is just a Ukrainian production, I guess. Oh, okay. Wait, who's Tommy Flanagan? That name uh, rings a bell. Yeah, this is a Ukrainian-U.S. co-production that Shout Factory is putting out. Um, and yeah, I know Tommy Flanagan. He's probably best known for Sons of Anarchy. He was on that. Mm, never seen and it. And he's in a bunch of Hollywood movies. Uh but I don't know. This just looks like the kind of – Show Factory really is going big on these, like, kind of cheap-looking period action movies that, you know, come out of, like, Yeah, Eastern the ones Europe. that nobody else yeah, wants. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is probably going to be pretty bad. Uh, moving on to some TV, we've got season one of Perry Mason. The new Need Perry Mason, Need to get Mason, something for is. your grandpa and or mom and dad or grandma? Here you go. You've exhausted all the previous Perry Mason releases of the original show, which we have numerous of, numerous copies of. Uh, get on this. I hear it's really good. Uh, but then if you want some TV for the kids, there's Green Eggs and Ham Season 1, which I did not realize was a TV show now. But, uh, yeah, there's a Dr. Seuss show on hmm. Netflix. I, think I heard that, like, they made a big deal that it's all, like, uh, hand animated. They didn't really flash it up on yeah, this. Yeah, that's it. And it's got some like it's got some interesting voice talent in it. Like Michael Douglas is a voice in this. <laughs> oh no! Uh, you sure Adam he can Devine, still use his voice Alana these Glazer. days? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Diane Keaton's involved in this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't make. I, I I'm not a child, and I have no children, so maybe it's really popular with them. Like. I thought it was a Netflix show. I think so. I think there's still it is a Netflix show, but I guess because Warner Brothers made it, I guess they have like some sort of contractual agreement to put out a DVD. So anyways, moving on to some uh, classy international stuff. Uh, we've got The Load, a.k.a. Terret, uh from Grasshopper. This is a really cool film. It was playing festivals about two years ago now and just took a while to come out. Uh, it's from Serbia, and it takes place in 1999 during the Serbian War, and it's just kind of like a really – Real slow cinema kind of film, uh, but it's also got like a thriller element about a guy who's hired to drive a truck with a mysterious load in it uh, across kind of the Serbian countryside. It definitely. Oh, I thought it was about a guy that like really needed to take a I dump. know, I know. You know, it's so, so ripe. How did I know you were going to make that joke? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, this is a really, really I great gotta film. I got to dump my load. I know, got to dump my load. They should have called it dumping the load. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a really cool film. Um, it's a really sort of like existentially weird movie. He so this driver picks up a young, a, a young nineteen-year-old, and they kind of chat and share their life experiences. Very like kind of Kurosami-esque, but there is also this weird sense of tension. It's gotten comparisons to The Wages of Fear just because of the plot of it. I wouldn't say it's as exciting as something like The Wages of Fear, but it definitely has that like cool sense of tension. Um, I would highly, highly recommend this film. Um, very, very cool stuff. And the DVD actually uh, comes pretty loaded. Uh, it's got some cool special features and actually also includes the director's previous feature film that he made uh, a couple years before, which was a documentary that also talked about um, the Serbian War. So um, definitely check this out. This is definitely one of the best international films of recent years. And then moving on, we've got Space Dogs, which sounds like a kid's movie or something, but it's actually a really 
cool, weird, interesting documentary. Uh, Icarus is putting it out. And it's a Russian documentary, actually. And it basically juxtaposes footage of when uh, during the um, the race to space, uh, Russia was actually sending dogs into space. And it, it's so it... Uh, it contrasts actual documentary footage from that time, which it has some disturbing stuff because, you know, they're like shaving these dogs and like putting like weird things in them to like make sure they're okay. Electrodes and stuff to, like that. Yeah. So that's kind of like if, if you're not into, you know, if, if you get squeamish by, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say. If you're say not into watching anim- dogs yeah, get if shaved. If you're not into animal cruelty, basically, <laughs> um, it could be a little hard to watch. But then um, it also follows, the, the kind of main thrust of the movie is it follows, it's kind of a fly on the wall portrait of these actual street dogs in Russia. Kind of like uh, a movie like Keddy, but like a kind of darker, weirder version of that. Uh, where it just follows these dogs, specifically like two dogs, around the streets of Russia. And I don't know how these people, these directors film this because they're like really up close with these like rabid dogs. And, well, like, okay. They're not rabid dogs if they were rabid. The acting uh, from these dogs is really great. Uh, really great. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I love animal acting, <laughs> natural animal acting. So it's great to see. It's just a really... It's like an indescribable movie. I'm finding it hard. It's it's hard to kind of sum up what the experience of this movie is, but it is really hypnotic, really fascinating. I would highly recommend this to people looking for different kind of documentary experiences. So, uh, yeah, check this out. Uh, and then closing things off, we got some more animal action here with Spy Cat. What is this a documentary about? <laughs> this is not a documentary. This is actually... <laughs> This is actually a family film here. <laughs> so this is a German-Belgian family film that is being ported over from here. And apparently the directors won a, an Academy Award for a short film they made back in 1989. And then it took them, I guess, 30 years to, to make another film. And it's, <laughs> it's a movie about a, about a spy cat. So <laughs> that's all you that's, got. Uh, you didn't watch it. That's that's all I got. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't watch this one. Um, spy cats. It's a cat who's a spy. I mean, that's there's a, a chicken and a dog. According to what? Is it, yeah. There's like he's got friends. There's cat. Yeah. There's like Elvis the dog and Egbert the rooster are in it. Anton the donkey. I mean, they're all spies. So it's. I guess it's more like spy animals then. It's not just a spy. <laughs> yeah. It's not really it's not spy just cat. a spy cat. It's. Nah, I don't know false advertising okay so uh mark i know you watch a christmas movie this week (laughs) i did watch a christmas movie this week and you know i was trying to bring in some new stuff for the store that we hadn't had before and i realized that we had never had on our shelves the 1998 disney christmas movie i'll be home for christmas starring everybody's favorite 90s heartthrob jonathan taylor thomas does he wear blackface in this movie unfortunately not i I was expecting him unfortunately (laughs) only because i wanted to shame him for Uh, hasn't he been shamed enough where's jtt these days well jtt's career was unfortunately killed by this movie and its poor performance (laughs) Think. Uh, he only got one movie. What's that? I know. Oh, well, no. he, had, he was on five episodes of Tim Allen's Last I know. Man Standing. Well, you know what? He was such a huge star in the '90s, as we know, as a kid. And then, you know, he he plays a college kid in this movie who's trying to get home for Christmas, obviously. And it was his first, I guess. I mean, it's a Disney movie, so it's not really an adult movie, but he's more of an adult, I guess, than he was in his previous movies. And this movie was such a bomb at the box office that I guess it just kind of 
killed any chance of him making any more movies. And you know what? He decided, I'm just going to get an education and better myself. And I think that's all he did. <laughs> I think there was a really good article with him at like maybe a decade or so ago where he just talked about, yeah, I just kind of was done with Hollywood and just wanted to go to school. And now he just like he went and got a degree in something and he just kind of lives his life. I'm looking here. Which kid on Home Improvement died? Wait, the Jonathan Taylor died, Thomas died in 2016. No, that, they always that Mark kid. They always talk about that Mark kid being dead, right? Uh, I don't know. So wait, wait, this movie, great stuff. You didn't get to that part yet. I'll be home for so. Did you not watch? I'll be home for Christmas. Did I watch this? By uh, I okay. did not. I want you to get, paint me a visual All right, picture. Well, this movie's terrible. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I wish I wish I had. <laughs> I, I wish I had something more to say about this that would make that would sell it more. But like, I don't know. For some reason, I always kind of wanted to see this. I never saw it when I was a kid. And I'm like, I like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, I got to check this out. Um, I don't know who wrote this movie. This is just like such a pastiche of like bad comedy bits strung together. So like he, Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays some like rich kid college student who's kind of a douchebag and his parents are split up and his father, so he doesn't really want to go home for Christmas because his father, who's played by Gary Cole, who's who's great, but has like nothing to do in this movie, uh, has some new girlfriend that he finds obnoxious and he just doesn't want to come home. So to tempt him to come home, his father says, I'll give you this brand new Porsche, I think, or Beamer that I got if you come home for Christmas by 6 o'clock p.m. on like Christmas Eve or something. So he has to like get home, but... Because of some other circumstances and the fact that he's a douchebag, he gets um, he, he gets randomly kidnapped and wakes up in the desert in a Santa suit somewhere and has to find his way all the way from the desert near L.A. to New York for Christmas without any, like, ID or money or anything. Basically, he's, like, left for dead out in the desert and he has to find a way to get home. And cue wacky hijinks that aren't really wacky at all. And you know what? He gets home. Over the course of this wild trip home, he discovers what the true meaning of Christmas is and doesn't even care about the car anymore by the time he gets home. He doesn't even care <laughs> okay. about it. Okay. Well, that sounds like a depressing movie. He dies at the end, right? I wish, man. <laughs> that would have been far more interesting. So you dug up JTT just to bury I him know, again. I'm sorry. I, I wish I I wish this would was more entertaining, but it's just not. It was directed by a TV director who I think the only other feature films she made were um, a very Brady sequel. So not the first Brady, but and Frank McCluskey, CI. You ever <laughs> no, see that movie? What's that? I think it's some like SNL offshoot movie or something that like nobody saw in the early 2000s. Um, anyways, I, I don't know. I just I just remember this poster everywhere and just Jonathan Taylor Thomas everywhere. And now you've seen it. Now you've crossed the Rubicon. I know. I just and I you can wish... say I have seen. I'll be home for Christmas. I know. And, you know, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of 90s family films, as you are well aware. And I just didn't get a single iota of enjoyment out of this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, boy. It was just so boring. But, you know, Jessica Biel is in it. She plays his girlfriend. And there's kind of an attempt at being like at, – at her being like a woke character. She's like constantly talking about like – feminism and stuff like that women's rights and everything it's like cool but then like her character is just like so subservient to john <laughs> oh, taylor no. thomas's character in it that it's like all right sure <laughs> but okay 
So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We we do have I'll be home for Christmas at um, <laughs> and we got to get rid now, of that but, copy. Uh, Please come and get it. So, but now nobody's gonna buy it because I just I just shit all over it. But it's okay. We can send these copies back. I won't get stuck with them <laughs> like I got stuck with Empire. So <laughs> it's all good. It's all. It's not an MOD Blu-ray or something. Well, uh, that's it uh, for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. And you got your Christmas display up, right? So if people want them Christmas yeah, movies. Yeah, nobody can come in. You can't view the Christmas display, but we're putting it all over social media and you know just ask us whatever christmas movie you want if it's not out of print we can we can get it in we can definitely get it in oh well come on now how fast can Pro- you get it in probably at this not point? that fast i mean what is it december 10th now <laughs> no no yeah but the person this, listening like... to this is probably on december 15th <laughs> yeah december yeah by the time that we're here listening to this it's probably too late but you know what we've we've got a lot of stuff here so just uh give us a ring and come on down we're still doing curbside pickups and we're also shipping out so even if you don't want to come down we can ship stuff to you so give us a call email us we can help you so out. until next week my name is jocelyn mcclough and my name is mark hansen keep on buying Keep on renting. Ho, 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 ho. R.I.P. J.T.T. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Still love Wild America, though. Still love Wild America. That's a good one.